welcome to Whatever It Takes, a podcast about Degrassi, the next generation. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Holland. And we actually have a special guest today. My sister Allegra is with us. Hello, everyone. And today we're going to be talking about season four, episodes seven and eight, Time Stands Still. And Kelsey, will you please read us the episode summaries? All two of them. Okay. Rick makes friends with Emma and Toby when he steps in as a replacement on the school's quiz show. Things take a turn for the worst when Jay, Spinner, and Alex pull a nasty prank on Rick that embarrasses him in front of the entire school. Rick's vindictive side comes out, leading him to develop a horrible plan for revenge. Part 2. Humiliated and furious, Rick returns to Degrassi with a handgun in his backpack and prepares to take revenge on the students of Degrassi for laughing at him. Jimmy sympathizes with Rick and promises to back him up whenever other students harass him. Rick accuses Jimmy of being part of the prank and shoots Jimmy in the back when he tries to run away. Rick then moves on to the next person on his hit list, Emma. When the smoke clears and the lockdown ends, one student will end up dying an untimely death in Degrassi's hallway. I mean, way to give it all the fuck away. (laughs) There's like some like mystery towards the end but also for the first sentence they're totally wrong because rick wasn't replacing anybody jimmy was the replacement yeah come on guys (laughs) yeah there was so many spoilers in that second part of the summary which is crazy like i mean i guess everyone already kind of knows about jimmy at this point though it's like 11 years after this episode came out and they do call him wheelchair jimmy which for the record is ableist and questionable but that's (laughs) fine It's just I feel like the people who write these don't know the difference between like, oh, if uh, someone wants to find out what this episode's about, we'll give them a brief synopsis versus like a fifth grade summary report. Like, (laughs) and and then Rick went to Emma. It's like, okay, we can watch the episode. Thank you. So before we jump in, or I guess I can talk about the song title first. Uh, The song that this episode is named after is a 1987 Rush song called Time Stands Still and I don't really know anything about what the lyrics are but I think it's a pretty fitting episode title because it's like such a tragic thing happens and when things like that happen it feels like time is standing still and you're just caught and you're just stuck in this like horrible incident yeah I feel like it's safe to say that at this point don't really need to examine lyrics or meanings <laughs> or intentions. They literally just go for the title of the songs. They don't try that hard, you guys. They're not, like, analyzing shit. They're like, this kind of fits. Sure. Well, whatever. We're still going to try every week. <laughs> and But before we jump in, maybe, Allegra, do you want to give a brief summary? Not like a Degrassi YouTube summary, but a briefer summary about your... Degrassi history oh my god yeah <laughs> so uh I'm a, I'm Holland's younger sister and uh so I was definitely one of those little sisters who was like I want to do everything my big sister does <laughs> and when she started watching Degrassi you know I sat my ass down when enjoyed it every step of the way um but like I don't know I was like two years younger and a little dumber and didn't really get like scheduling of tv shows so i just watch it whenever she would watch it so I've, i miss chunks of episodes every once in a while but once this podcast started i definitely binged watched like most of next class next generation i mean not next class <laughs> sorry next class fans 
Yeah, neither of us have watched Next Class except for that one episode. But maybe we will. I don't know. We're definitely going to prequel before we Next Class. But we also have like three years locked and loaded into this thing. So it, we're a ways away. <laughs> yeah. A ways, a ways, a ways away. Um, but anyway, let's just dive in because it's a long one. The episode starts right off the bat with Rick walking up to school wearing a goddamn beret. I feel like we need to start with fashion police. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm not proud of how many fashion notes I took during this like very serious episode, but there was just so much um, for starters, Rick's goddamn beret, which (laughs) Jimmy calls a chapeau, which delighted me um and then spinner's hair is (laughs) it's so like quintessential like emo kid and he has like that whole like emo skater like kind of like fake punk because like the early 2000s wasn't like it wasn't like real punk but it was like fake punk so he has that whole thing fucking nailed i wrote a couple things i have many words about spinner's hair one is um, R.I.P. Chad Kroger ramen noodle hair. Uh, this is my own special eulogy for you. And I also wrote that Spinner has upgraded from puka shells to like those fake like chain beads. <laughs> um, I love Craig's pajamas. He's adorable. And it's just they're very cute. Uh, yeah. Pajamas. At one point, Emma is wearing this kind of like patchy american eagle-esque skirt that definitely took me back because i definitely had the shorts version of that skirt um she also at one point is wearing like an olive green mini skirt like flowy mini skirt with the layered matching top and kind of like half like mini jacket what are the they, like the crop jacket is that what those are called it was just taking me back to that time period I think we brushed over the beret like really quickly. So <laughs> I just need to circle back to that real quick because I feel like these last couple episodes are really going to fully flesh out Rick's fuckboy profile. And um, we like wearing a hat that no one wears at all anymore, unironically, but with casual clothing is like quintessential fuckboy. <laughs> like a fedora, tribbly whatever, beret, newsboy cap, just like casual they're not a cowboy hat but they're like big brimmed like as if you're a youth pastor (laughs) (laughs) just like casually wearing these hats and a lot of those are like a little more like not as casual you know just just wearing those to school when you're already like let's say a kid who gets teased it's it just it's a it's a a phenomenon i've noticed (laughs) he's not doing himself any favors um a lot of oversized clothes, like all of Jay's jerseys are comically <laughs> large. Like, like why? Um, it's terrible. It's <sighs> so bad. Um, Rick's suit is way too big on him. Um, and Spinner is wearing this horrible, like in the second part, this horrible sweatshirt with cut off sleeves. That's the but sweatshirt. It's, but it's like a normal sweatshirt, but it's like cut off sleeves. I don't get it. That's the sweatshirt that Jimmy made fun of him for wearing. For years. That's the same one from that episode. So did he just cut off the sleeves then to like change it up? <laughs> I think so. I did notice that too, that it was that same sweatshirt he would wear like every other episode in season two or something. Um, 
Paige's like flowy purple tank top is really cute and I really liked it. I had the same note. I liked that a lot. And Caitlin also had some really good fashion moments. Like I really liked her green shirt with the um, jean jacket and her hair looks great. So cute. I love her hair. So cute. And her like the, the way they're doing her makeup now is so much better. Like before she just the like the dyed blonde and the bad makeup and she just like looked like a tacky mom. And now she looks like an actual attractive human adult like we know that she is. Um, also, Ms. Kwan had a new hairstyle. Oh my god, so good. I wrote that down. Like, she looks so good. Okay, I need to talk about, uh, the fucking tight style of Joey's Realtor. In the beginning, like Helen or something, she's got, like, pink jacket, cool, like, pink scarf, a little gold brooch. I'm like, this is, like, classic, classy Realtor right now. Um, Sydney, who makes appearances, is wearing this like really dumb zigzag stripy blue shirt that was very of the time. Um, and I did not care for it. Um, and for me, I think that's all I have for fashion notes. I think I have one more. Um, Sean is wearing a beanie that has like a bill on it, but he's also wearing it backwards at one point in this episode. <laughs> episode. So it was, it was very strange. I remember those hats. Our little brother had one of those hats. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have a, a chunk more. We like circle back to Jay and his hilarious, huge sports jersey. When we first see him, he's also wearing his backwards hat and the glasses in front. Remember that style? Hashtag never forget. <laughs> um, I also said that Craig, uh, Craig's hair is way less frizzy and poofy. It's It's been cut. It's a little more contained. I thought it was just when he was sick and it was like his frazzled hair. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's even less poofy when it's messy. But it gets better later in the episode too. Um, Hazel, at a, I mean, this is like really inappropriate time to take fashion notes. But um, when she's hugging the counselor... <laughs> She has great nail polish. Like it's really, it's a really pretty color. Her her root situation is out of control, though. She's gotta, they've gotta dye her hair. I mean, oh yeah. She, you're like you're on a TV show, and like people should be in charge of this. And I don't understand why like nobody was like, your hair is getting out of control, and we're about to film the top of your head, and we need to fix that a little bit. Like just just dye her roots you guys you you have a television show where you clothe people all the time you can dye one of the main characters roots for her um page page's hair is feathered and it's great um i also wrote that uh like in between part one and part two emma gets bangs so i wrote the um the the crawl show the publicity i got bangs <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I do have one more note. Um, Ashley has like the perfect scene girl outfit. The only time we see her, it's like it's very plain, but it's like I definitely had that outfit. I definitely had friends who had that outfit, but it's just like it's just an all together look. Like it's just like a t-shirt with some graphic on it and like a jersey jacket and like tight jeans with a belt. But I'm like, there's something about that look plus her like hair, which is looking good, by the way, that I'm like, yeah, no, that's like that's like casual scene girl yeah i don't have any other notes <laughs> and i noticed that ashley's hair is just her normal hair color now oh um spike's hair is like longer now and kind of purpley 
All right. I think we might be able to move on because we literally have only said one thing about the beginning of the episode, <laughs> and that is Rick's goddamn beret. So he's like walking up to school with this new beret on, and Spinner and Jimmy are in the are like pulling up to the school, and they see him, and they start like pushing him around and take off his beret, and then they throw it into the dumpster. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, let me help you. And they're like, oh, I think it's right there. And then they push him into the dumpster. And when this was happening, I was like, I wrote down, Bray in the garbage as it should be. Rick in the garbage as he should be. I I have a note for Rick. Um, why are you halfway leaning into a dumpster in front of your known bullies? <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not, I don't want a victim blame. But also, like, leave the beret. Come back for it later. Or just, like, stand around and wait for them to go. Like, don't, like, throw yourself halfway into a dumpster when you know that two people who are very likely going to push you in the dumpster are with you. Not a not a good move. You're not... He does not do himself favors. I noted that uh, Sinner had actually a pretty sick burn. Uh, and Jimmy was a really good hype man for that sick burn. He was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but then when they were leaving, Jimmy had a really lame burn. <laughs> they did not finish strong as the tag team bully. <laughs> what were the burns? Be more specific. Oh, I wish I could remember. Like it was, you sort of said it was just like, oh, nice hat. Oh, look where it's going. I can't fucking remember, but <laughs> he said chapeau. <laughs> Um, I think this is actually a really important point. So previous episodes, Rick is like, I'm going to prove to people I have changed. I am a better person. I won't let the bullying get to me. And he is in such a good mood after creeping on Darcy that he makes a bold fashion choice. <laughs> All right. He cu- he's you sh- he's smiling when the episode opens. He's like, I got my new hat. I got a new friend. It's going to be a good day. I'm going to go to my quiz show practice after school. And then the bullies come and they totally ruin that. And for the rest of the episode, he's like, he's like, fuck you guys. Seriously. Like no more peacefulness. No more. Like I'm going to try and be a bigger person. He's sassy. He does it sometimes though. He just, this episode is so conflicting for me because I mean, we don't like Rick because he is unstable and he hurt our sweet potato, but he doesn't deserve any of this. And I mean, we'll get into more of it, but I just, this stopped being about Terry so long ago. And it's, it's just, it's blown out of control. And now it's just bullying for the sake of bullying because he's like a weird kid. And I just, as much as I don't like Rick, I just want to like hug him and be like, it's going to be okay. Let's get you into therapy. Yeah. But then he'll start to fall in love with you. So, Oh my God. I just, I just shuddered. Um, yeah, no, he, he has, um, like just completely like misplaced feelings for Emma that are not great. If anyone needs to be in therapy, it's him a thousand percent, like five years ago, please. Um, and at the same time though, I feel like he also, he likes being the victim or he likes playing the victim. Maybe not like consciously, but I think he embraces it like in some way makes him even more like indignant and he likes being able to play the victim a little bit. Absolutely. 
You know, like if he is the type of person um, who the show, I think, is really trying to shape him out to be, especially in these next two episodes, it's like the reason he stays at this school, the reason why he wants everyone to know he's changed so much is because he's never had to face people not liking him before. He's never faced like challenges. Like, just it's very telling. Yeah, I think he likes being some kind of martyr but anyway he gets his payback um by spray painting an x on the window of spinner's car and then later we find out on rick's car or on jay's car which like why that is very bold that he's doing that like in broad fucking daylight <laughs> like it's not like he's sneaking around like he's like just he just casually stands there and sprays paints their car like he doesn't even like do a like cursory like glance to be like is anyone around no it's the middle of the day people are at the school you're spray painting the car in the parking lot of the school what are you thinking yeah i don't think anyone thinks you're cleaning the car dude <laughs> Yeah, and then so then we are in the hallway, and Rick is like coming back from this, I guess. And Jimmy is in the hallway, and they kind of bump into each other and have like a little scuffle. But then Mr. Simpson comes out and sees this, and Jimmy's like, I have a hall pass, I'm fine. And then Mr. Simpson starts quizzing Jimmy on geography and sports, and Jimmy answers because he's a smarty pants and then he's mr simpson's like well looks like we have geography and sports covered heather sinclair dropped out at the last last second and jimmy you're gonna fill in for her and i was like is he allowed to have a say in this like he wasn't in trouble or anything anyway unless like he and rick were kind of having words and mr simpson saw that and this was his punishment for that I don't know. Also, did we know that Jimmy is a secret genius or is this like a new development? I have two things. Um, one is that it's pronounced Yangtze River, <laughs> 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 not Yangtze River. <laughs> um, oh, crap. Did I write down the other thing? Oh, yeah. And Heather Sinclair would get mono. <laughs> Heather Sinclair, I think, is like probably like the poster child for mono. Like just from like what we know about Heather Sinclair. Um, she definitely gets mono regularly. I feel like that is a facet of her character that we should know. And I know you can't get mono twice, all right? But there's a whole plot line on Glee one time. Actually, fun fact, since I've had friends who've had mono before, it never goes away. So when you get sick and your immune system lowered, the mono's still in you. So you kind of have mono again and you can spread it to people. Well, that's fun. <laughs> um but yeah, so then we hop over to the B plot, which I kind of want to like zoom through all at once and then not spend a whole lot of time on it because it wasn't super substantial anyway. I mean, Joey is having trouble, as we know, with his business and he has to sell his house and oh, and Craig is homesick, apparently. And so at first he has a realtor over who apparently is unhelpful Craig then decides to call Sydney, who is a realtor, but she seems like more of a commercial real estate person. Like she sells office buildings and stuff, which is a little bit different than selling a house, but whatever. She's like, let me help. I know how to do this. And so Joey eventually accepts her help. And then Caitlin comes home and she comes home. She's like, um, hey, I like they have like a nice little kissy reunion and then she's like why is Sydney's name on your lawn and then Joey tells her he has to sell the house and then Caitlin goes to Sydney and 
offers to buy the house and then Joey finds out and he's mad about it and she's like excuse me can we like forget about your male ego real quick and he's like this is about me being able to like run my business and support my family but then when they're having this conversation Caitlin gets a call about the shooting at Degrassi and then it's kind of put on pause that's the whole B plot are we cool with just leaving it there a few things um one cool spoiler two um uh craig when he's talking to joey joey's like what am i gonna find tessa campanelli on my front porch and i was like haha nailed it um and um yeah i mean i caitlin did a nice thing but she should have fucking like talked to joey and been like i'm I want to do this thing for you because I want to live with you anyway. Or, like, just move in like you were supposed to and pay half of the mortgage. Like, shit. Just, you don't have to buy the whole damn house, but you're loaded. Pay at least half, you know? Yeah, for sure. There should have been a conversation. Um, and I, But I also feel like at the same time, if, since J- Caitlin was going to move in with him already, I feel like Joey kind of pushed her away a little bit too much when he was mad about it was like well she's gonna be she's like wants to be part of your family anyway but maybe it was just the conversation was cut short um i wrote a couple things uh sydney is like super fucking petty the whole time (laughs) and she's just like oh i'm i'm just trying to help and then like giving him shit about it like we're not 18 and it's like oh really you're gonna pull that shit (laughs) we're not 18 but i'm like also going to uh, accept a call from my ex-boyfriend's stepson to get involved in his life again. Um, and Caitlin is not petty because she comes home, sees Sydney's face on her lawn, but then is like still like, hi, Joey, I missed you. Yay, I want you to know that I love you. But also, are you fucking Tessa Campanelli? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, and also Sydney is throughout is like um water under the bridge about how you left me for Caitlin and also there's this one point where she's like Joey just tell me something to like make me, make stay. me stay or like oh. or something stupid like that and it's like oh my god Sydney go away do we ever see Sydney again I don't know I don't think so God, Twitter will tell us if we are wrong. <laughs> Should we eulogize her or what? Here, I have one more thing to say if you want to Google. <laughs> um, the other thing I was going to say is, like, I agree. Like, Joey should absolutely be mad that not only did his serious girlfriend make a huge financial decision without consulting him, but also on his own damn house. Like, that's a huge thing to be upset about. But instead, he's it's about masculinity too fragile. <laughs> like there yeah exactly there are like way bigger things at play than like his ego and like he's being like weird and petty about it but he should just be like hey there are a lot of things wrong with this and we need to have a discussion because it's not cool like she should have talked to him first and i just i just don't understand why she doesn't just like move in and split the mortgage like i don't get it Maybe she like went off on her trip before they could even discuss financial stuff because it was very much like moving with me. I'm going to wherever. So maybe there just wasn't time. I mean, I'm sure. But also like there's time now. Like, <laughs> Just talk to him and be like, so 
was thinking about your problem. And since I'm moving in anyway, I might as well start paying half of the mortgage. Problem solved. She did kind of impulse buy the house, like, right away. Like, she didn't need to buy it as soon as she possibly could. Like, there's, it doesn't even happen that fast anyway. Caitlin does not do stuff by halves. She is a very, like, go big or go home kind of human. Yes, let's impulse uh, spend (laughs) (laughs) $375,000. Anyway, I just looked it up, and this is, in fact, Sydney's last episode. So do we, I don't know, do we want to eulogize her briefly? We might as well. Um, Goodbye, Sydney. You kind of sucked. We never liked you. But I guess we're sad to see you go because you didn't get a proper goodbye. You were just like mentioned because you were and you weren't even mentioned like positively. Like you had this long, important relationship with Joey. And your last episode was just you like being petty the whole time and him ratting you out to Caitlin because like... She was like, please don't tell him. And she's like, yeah, sure, of course. And then Joey's like, yeah, Sydney told me. And then we never hear from Sydney again. Also, let's uh, mention that um, Joey says, oh, yeah, I sold it for 10% higher than market value. And Caitlin's like, Are you- <laughs> I haggled. <laughs> it's it's a lot. Um, but, yeah, goodbye, Sydney. We'll miss your pretty, pretty hair. Yeah, bye. I don't really have anything else to say. You bother me. But so long farewell i don't know i always have a special place in my heart for those characters that only exist to enforce the main couple like they only exist to be awful or blissfully ignorant so you served your purpose well sydney (laughs) so then we are at school and i think they're in the classroom kind of practicing for the trivia show and emma and toby are talking to rick and they're like they're only mean to you because they don't know you and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I was kind of surprised that Emma and Rick are like fully friends now because I don't, I feel like I missed that. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot. I don't know. I just, I'm not on board with the Emma Rick friendship. It seems weird to me that she went from like hating him to feeling bad for him because she like took out like weird misplaced anger on him so I'm just like I'm not I'm just not here for it like none of it is genuine I don't know I'm just like ugh. I just like what since when are we all cool with Rick also gross dudes love Emma and I don't know what that's about <laughs> okay I have a question for y'all did we skip Rick going to Radich that happens no, right after this oh, okay might be might be so then after this scene Rick goes to Mr. Radich's uh, office and basically reports Spinner, Jay, and Jimmy bullying him. And Radich is like, well, what am I supposed to do? Make them like you? Like, come to me when something more serious happens. Blah, blah, blah. And handles the whole situation horribly and doesn't take Rick's, like, concerns and complaints and bullying seriously in the slightest. And, like, the thing is, when Rick came back, he let him come back. And he was supportive then. Like, when kids were bullying him, he intervened. So it's like he went from being, like, he's never been a great principal, but he went from being, like, at least someone who was, like, aware of a problem to someone who was, like, I don't have time for your shit. I wrote he is uh, literally the worst child educator. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. Um, So that happens, and it's evidence of things to come. 
And then Jay pulls, so then Spinner discovers the X on his car and he's like, this car is cursed. I wrote, uh, Spinner blames spirits for vandalism. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, Sean is with him and then Jay pulls up with an X on his car too. And then Sean is just there. He doesn't really make any comments on the fact that they bully this guy, but he's just there with like car advice. He's like, (laughs) you know, you gotta like get that stuff off before the car, like before the paint comes off, you could use like so-and-so blah, blah, blah. He's literally just there with car advice and like is a totally neutral party. (laughs) Although he does mimic spinner, which I'm, I live for every, I'm like anyone that makes fun of spinner is fine by me. Cause spinner's like, no way. I'm like, I'm saving it as evidence and I'm going to tell Radish and Sean just goes, I'm going to tell Radish. And I was like, (laughs) I was like, yay, I'm here for this. And then Jay's like, no, we're not getting him involved. He's going to ask questions about why he did this. We're keeping him out of this. And so we see the birth of Spinner and Jay becoming friends. <laughs> it's, ugh, I'm not here for their friendship. Their friendship sucks. Um, Especially because it started from their mutual bullying of somebody. It's just, ugh, guys, not great. I, can, we, can we, like, ever since the Rick thing started, let's, let's take a look. Jay has been very involved for literally no reason. I think Jay just wants more friends. <laughs> I think Jay sees an opportunity. He's like, I like Towers is gone. <laughs> I'm uh, clearly things with Alex. There's a thing there. We'll get to that. He's like, I have a really great opportunity to bond with all of these people for this hatred over this weird little kid. And look, it's working. Look at all the friends he's made. <laughs> it's true. That's a solid point. Like, clearly dating a lesbian like i mean things are not going great for jay shit's about to get weirder in his life he is going to have gonorrhea soon i just there's like there's a lot going on i uh, yeah jay that's like solid point and jay is just trying to make more friends and apparently it's working (laughs) i mean he's a pretty happy guy like because he's not like a bully who's just like constantly angsty and only gets joy when he tortures people he's always really happy so he's like i just i want to explore this social aspect like when am i going to see the montreal boys again (laughs) we don't know (laughs) shout out to the montreal boys (laughs) my favorite boy band (laughs) the least intimidating gang i've ever heard of like they sound like an acapella group. <laughs> I just picture them all snapping and wearing berets and speaking French, wearing like the mime shirts. You mean chapeaus? <laughs> anyway, after this revelation, uh, we're in the hallway and Toby is minding his business, drinking water out of the drinking fountain. And Jay and Spinner come over and they're like, where's your dude? He's so weird. Blah, blah, blah. Or they like looking for him because of the car thing. And then they slam Toby's face into the like the water fountain spout and he gets a bloody lip. And I do feel bad for a little potato. Poor potato. I mean, he is often slimy, but this entire ep- the thing with Toby is like it's so touch and go whether we like him or hate him because he's so regularly like nice guy slimy potato and in this episode and in the first episode he's like this great you know supportive voice of reason he's the only person really in this Rick situation who was like I'm not gonna judge you for your past situations I'm like day one was there for him was like this person needs a friend and I need a friend and he's like just 
right away here for it. And also, JT sucks right now. <laughs> yeah. Toby seems like one of those guys who's like, can only be friends with guys. And like, because he's just a little too slimy to the girls. I, I think maybe, hopefully, that's something that like will go away with age. And then he can just be like the kind of friend that he is with his male friends, except for JT when JT starts abandoning him. Cause he also like clearly has like jealousy and abandonment issues. Mm-hmm. But I, I hope that Toby like matures out of that. Cause he's a really good friend to Rick, like from day one there. I mean, like they have like a gross thing happening, but even like before, like in the gross episode where they're like trying to like, kiss all the girls i don't know (laughs) he like he does that thing with darcy like for his friend like it's weird and gross but like i don't know i feel like he's the only person that like deserves any credit in these episodes because emma is shitty too Mm. yeah at the end of the day toby is always like a pretty solid good friend like first episode he barely even knew emma but he like worked really hard to help her out with her internet stalker guy and I feel like he, when it comes down to it, he's always a really good friend. He just is kind of slimy otherwise sometimes because he's just like a teenage boy growing up and figuring things out. Yeah, he's learning. Also, shout out to the uh, Degrassi makeup team for keeping a split lip the whole episodes. <laughs> yeah, that is some continuity. And it like slowly heals over the episode to the point where I'm like, did he actually cut his lip? Because it's a good job. Or is it just like chapped lips? Who knows? <laughs> Um, So then after this, Toby walks into the classroom with the trivia team and um, Rick is really upset that Toby got hurt because of him. And he's like, Toby doesn't deserve this. This is awful. And then I think when they're talking about this like incessant bullying, Jimmy kind of has a look on his face where he's kind of starting to realize how serious it is to be this mean to somebody And it's, like, kind of the beginning of him being nicer to Rick, but at least just, like, he's, I, he kind of has, like, some, like, recognition in his eye. Yeah, and, I mean, he also, he has a connection with Toby. They were friends when he was dating Ashley um, after the shitty Breakfast Club episode. He and Toby became friends again. So it's, like, I think that he, like, wants to, like, look out for his little buddy, and he's just, like... He, he real he's like realizing it through like seeing like someone that he considers kind of a friend like bullying is bad which is like Jimmy you should know this already you're supposed to be the smart one yeah Jimmy is definitely like one of if not the coolest guy in school <laughs> so for him to like shit on lower classes is not like unreasonable but he's also a like historically pretty nice guy like he definitely is more sympathetic to other people than Spinner. His so-called best friend. Also, uh, did at one point they said Toby split his lip on a skateboard accident? Or something <laughs> like I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that was his excuse to um, Mr. Simpson. He was like, skateboarding accident. I'm like, oh, okay, because you ride a skateboard. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, the only sort of reality in which Toby rides a skateboard is like he's the nerd from Rocket Power. <laughs> squid (laughs) oh remember squid remember rocket power i had like a weird childhood like cartoon crush on twister (laughs) maurice maurice (laughs) yeah 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 that's the thing in my life 
Yeah. Feel it. And I remember Reggie was like super cool. Oh yeah. I wanted to be, like kind of be her. Also in this scene, Rick goes, I've been suffering for weeks. And I wrote, you've been suffering for weeks. Unlike Terry, who's been fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but then I think we go to them practicing in the gym for like answering questions for the quiz. And Rick is like killing it. And then he and Jimmy are in the bathroom and Jimmy and he start to have like a pleasant conversation. And Jimmy's like, wow, you're like really smart. Wow. That's insane. And then they have, I don't know, they have like a pleasant conversation and then they walk out of the bathroom and they're confronted by Spinner and Jay who kind of start to try to bully Rick and Jimmy kind of like, get like gets in the way and he's like no like don't do this and then as they're walking away rick turns around and like holds his hands up in an x with like a like victorious grin on his face and it's like any tiny little small victory he has he automatically ruins it by like going too far again he like i just he's i don't know um also can we talk about the nose flick because they did like oh, something's on your shirt. And then they flicked his nose like <laughs> children. I was like, seriously, you guys? Um, but yeah, I mean, Rick, like anytime he like gets an inch, he like takes a mile. And it's it's like he, he just has no like means of, I don't know. He like, he just, he has no chill. So maybe he and Emma would be good together. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple of things. One, it's like, hey, Rick, this is not your first time being bullied. Let's, no slick, come on. Shame on you this time. <laughs> But then we cut to, it's like the next day. It's the day of the quiz show. Rick, Toby comes by Rick's house. I guess they're going to school together. And he's like in a fucking suit. Like, first of all, who is going to wear, if anyone's going to wear a suit to this dumb trivia show, it's going to be Rick. But also, come on. And his mom is really excited and like getting him dressed. And she's like, you look just like your father, blah, blah, blah. And... Rick makes a comment about like not wanting to go into sales like he does. And apparently his dad is like absent a lot cause he travels a lot. And I just made that note cause I found it interesting. It really bums me out. Um, that when Toby comes in and is talking to Rick's mom, Rick has clearly been lying to his mom about like his friendship situation and stuff. And she's like, and to think I wanted you to transfer schools. And I'm like, no, you should have followed that instinct. Yeah, um, when Rick is talking about his new best friend, Jimmy, Toby has this look like, uh, yeah, like, cause he's been there. He knows exactly how fickle Jimmy's friendships are. <laughs> but also, Jimmy is not his new best friend, or he's not his <laughs> yeah. new friend. Um, he, like, was not, he was, like, not mean to Rick once. Well, Emma was not mean to Rick a few times and he thinks that she's in love with him. So Rick needs assistance. Um, and here's the thing, like on a real note, like R Rick clearly struggles with at least one mental illness. And that is like not a thing to laugh about. And that's like, he should be receiving help. And th I think that's really, I mean, besides the fact that obviously bullying is wrong and fucked up. I think one of the biggest parts of this is that Rick's mom is just not like Rick's dad is not present. His mom is not that present. And somebody, instead of bullying this kid for being like a weirdo and for being aggressive and violent, somebody should be saying, Hey, I think maybe there's something wrong with him. He's a weird kid, but like 
there's clearly something going on. Like he should be in therapy or like just or with a psychiatrist or just figuring it out somewhere because there's just he has like basically delusions like he's not like hallucinating or anything but the way he's like misinterpreting these friendships is not just like what a weirdo it's like no there's something wrong and he's having like actual delusions to think that emma's in love with him and jimmy's his new best friend like he's having delusions of grandeur and it's it's like it's somebody needs to fucking notice these warning signs and not just like shrug it off and be like, whatever, he he hurt Terry because this stopped being about Terry so long ago and is about like Jay needing a person to be mean to and a spinner getting off on being mean to someone. And like Paige is still left over from Terry, but Paige is clearly getting over it. And and that's it. It's just oh, it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's not even delusions of grandeur it's like clearly he has not socialized enough to pick up on social cues and like going to high school and everyone's like rapidly growing and picking up these social cues and he's like in the episode he's like well i read a lot so this is a guy who's not had many friends before like a girl is nice to him he immediately jumps to her liking him like people being he is mistaking just the smallest amount of people being nice to him as these huge things. Which is really sad. Like his mom is like, you're going to be on the stage with, I don't know her fucking accent. <laughs> and the lights is so exciting. She's like some theater, whatever. And she's getting him dressed up and you're like, oh, his mom really likes him supportive. But then you're like, why is she not in the audience? And also she clearly like doesn't fully understand like the, the like social norms for him because she's putting him in a suit when like all the other kids are just like dressed like normal kids and he's it's just all these things that it's like somebody needs to be paying attention and that's I feel like that's the root of a lot of like these things that happen like the the shooting at Sandy Hook like this was a kid who had like major mental illness issues and the mother wasn't present and left her guns unlocked and collected guns and left them unlocked with her mentally ill uh, young adult who was unsupervised. And he even like went to a facility and still nobody fucking did anything. And it's just a people being too wrapped up in their own bullshit to fucking pay attention when somebody needs help. And it's it's just parents not being present and friends not being informed enough and kids being fucking mean and it upsets me a lot and it makes me mad and gun control is obviously a big part of this issue i mean we were looking up like what school shootings were relevant because allegra likes to actually do research which is novel for this podcast um and canada actually hasn't had that many but for america there was like all dating all the way back to like what the 18th century you said yeah so there's a wikipedia just says school shootings canada is all their school shootings of the past like 100 years or something were able to fit on this wikipedia america had to have its own wikipedia page and it's like goes back to the uh 1800s and it's like so many and it like is listed by like how many like per like decade and it's becoming how many per year so obviously gun control is a huge issue in this country but it's also that mental illness is so stigmatized and people are so wrapped up in their own shit that people aren't paying attention and because mental illness is so stigmatized people don't see warning signs they just see 
weird kid and then they let it go because they're like, well, I don't want to deal with it. But it's like and, and no one wants to admit that they need help or have a problem because mental illness is so stigmatized. It's like you don't want to be like, I think there's something wrong with me and I need help or you can't say to someone else, I think there might be something going on with you and I think maybe you need help because people are going to take offense to that because it's such like a taboo thing to like either need help or say that someone needs help when it's not being mean or picking on someone. It's no, like there needs to be an adult put in this situation. And because it's so stigmatized, uh, it becomes like a game of denial where even if you kind of notice something is weird, you automatically are like, oh, no, 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 no. You can't possibly have anything wrong with you. That would, like, I would notice if it were that serious when really the warning signs can be really subtle. And when they kind of culminate, then it becomes hindsight is twenty twenty, and you see all these things that you probably did notice, but you didn't realize it could build up to something really bad happening, whether it be like a breakdown or shooting or there are lots of ways where it can show itself but because it's so stigmatized people just have denial about it because they also they don't want to deal with it and they don't want to believe that it's happening and they don't want to take responsibility for it which is really not great and you don't want to place blame because honestly you could spread the blame around like you know in this like fictional instance you know spinner and jay very heavily to blame um rick to blame he's the one who actually brought the gun to school and he's you know the one who hurt terry in the first place but rick's parents are just as much to blame but you also don't want to place all the blame on them and radish is very much to blame i mean you don't want to place all the blame on one person because it takes a fucking village to make shit like this happen it's not one person one isolated incident it's a a series of like shitty situations and people just not caring and not paying attention this is why the fact that his parents seemed like don't know enough is very very crucial because the people who know what's going on in rick's life the most are children children who don't know much about mental illness mental illness is very complicated and could be a wide range and they're all in like the peak of their hormonal time period the brain uh, in these like very peak teenage years it's everything feels heightened it's it's absorbing information and it's growing and so the slightest thing seems like the biggest deal in the whole world so when like actual serious shit is happening it could feel like the world is falling apart and if his parents are not asking rick like what's going on how are you feeling and if you have an asshole principal who treats you like you're a problem more than like his literal job shit's gonna start snowballing it is a lot and i mean it's hard to like cover in a like light-hearted podcast Mm -hmm. i mean it's like when we did shout and we're like how do we talk about this because this is a real problem in the world and you know that's why shows like degrassi have episodes like this and by the way i think they did a really good job on this you know i think that school shooting episodes of shows like this there's i'm sure many um but this one i think that they did particularly well um You know, and it it really like you saw the whole arc from start to finish and you kind of saw it coming. And that's the thing. As viewers, we saw it coming. It's shocking, but 
it's not unheard of. And at this time, you know, Columbine had already happened and, you know, it wasn't quite so like as constant as we're seeing it now, unfortunately. Um, but you know, it it was known and like as viewers, we could see it happening and we were like kind of ready, but you know, these people who are actually in this fictional person's life, like just not paying attention, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like, it's just so it's, it's such a big, important thing, and it's hard to be like, this is our dumb podcast where we talk about Degrassi, but let's talk about mental illness and also gun violence and... Uh... Well, I think we should give Degrassi a lot of credit. It's come a long way from its like after-school PSA episodes of season one. It's done a really good job to like also not try and take any sides and to really make people think. Like the projected audience of this show are children the same age of the people they're watching, and they're being given these complex subjects to think about and not given the answers to, not being force-fed any answers. It's for them to think and talk and consider. And it's not reductive either. Like, it's not like a sanitized version of this kind of a situation. It, they, you could tell they spent a lot of time developing this entire storyline and really did it justice and made it very real and true to the like real events like this that happened, which is also pretty commendable. And they've come a long way from making cancer a B plot. Yeah, they just made selling a house a B plot. Actually, I have one more thing about the house, <laughs> just to lighten it up. At one point, Craig says you would sell this house for beads, <laughs> which delighted me. So, I was moving like, on. I was like, Craig, the First Nations, which is what they call Native Americans in Canada, First Nations people's plight is not yours to joke about, Craig. <laughs> it's serious. Also, when they're having this fight. It's notable. I feel like I need to make this note for what happens later. Craig decide, even though he is sick, he decides to go to school because he doesn't want to fight with Joey anymore. And I was he's like, so sick of Joey's like masculine bullshit. He's like, I'm tired of your uh, gender norms. I need to go to school. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, Craig, you're gonna regret that. Um, but yeah, so that happens. And then now moving on. Um, the quiz show has started. The man hosting the quiz, sh quiz show oh, kind of looks like Nick Cannon. <laughs> Before the quiz show starts, we see, uh, not Craig, I just have Craig on the brain. We see Rick walk into school and Paige is like, she hands him her phone and she's like, it's for you. It's Radich. He wants his suit back. And Rick is just in such a good mood that he like has this wonderful response. Actually, I really liked it. He closes the phone, he hands it back for her, and he says, take a message. And he just keeps walking. And I was like, see, couldn't we just like react this way to everything, Rick, instead of being like spray painting people's cars? Um, and, you know, but even like Paige with this, I feel like is so half-hearted that she, like, she doesn't even believe in this bullying anymore. She's just like, Eh, I'm not trying that hard. Yeah, I wrote that too. I was like, Paige is not as invested in the bullying as she used to be. She's clearly like, Paige, as much as she is like hardcore bitch, unapologetic, and that's why I love her, she also has like a huge conscience. And like, she's, I think she's aware of the toll it takes, even on herself. She's growing as a character and a human, and I love it. Um, And then he talks, he runs into Emma before they go in. And he, he like, is like, you are my guide, which I was like, ew. 
Yeah, she swerved the fuck out of that comment. <laughs> also, I wanted to say one more thing about Paige, where she is so half-heartedly bullying him that she's basically kind of teasing him the same way she would tease anybody because she's just kind of back to doing fashion police. It's true. <laughs> Book them. So, <laughs> so then we're at the quiz show hosted by Bobo Nick Cannon. And <laughs> oh, I wrote, uh, Alex looks tired. <laughs> I think the VP duties are uh, weighing on her. And so they're like, it's basically just like a quiz show montage they're doing while they're like neck and neck with Northern, which is apparently the name of this high school. I'm sure they will close and become Degrassi eventually. (laughs) And (laughs) they like do really well. And then Rick answers a question that ties them up. So they go into like the lightning round or whatever. And then he holds Emma's hand and she's like, literally just like pulls it out of his death grip and is like, Oh no. It's like when you try and hold a cat's hand, <laughs> it's just like, no. <laughs> oh my God. And the whole school is watching this like on TVs and everyone's like really into it. And I'm like, why does everyone care about this so much? Like, if this was my high school, we would not have been watching. Like, I don't think people would have even gone to the assembly. People would have been like, oh, this is on TV. Let me text. Yeah, I have a feeling that it's like there. it's mandatory. All the teachers have to have it on TV. And like, I feel like if it were on TV and you that's all that you were allowed to do, you would eventually just kind of get invested in it or not pay attention like either or there's really no middle ground here they flipped on the tv and they were like oh boy quiz masters (laughs) and let's say okay every fucking student in degrassi is pumped about quiz masters and rick's mother could not be bothered to show up but i feel like it's like the same kind of excitement when the teacher like rolls out the tv on a cart where it's like fuck yeah it's movie day we don't have to do anything bill 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 Film the science guy. My friend is a middle school teacher at my old middle school, and she like sent a Snapchat uh, the other day of like they still use the same like wheelie TVs to show movies before <laughs> class, and she was like, "This is the oldest TV I've ever seen in my <laughs> life." Um. So, like before the lightning round, Rick and Jimmy are in the bathroom again. Jay and Spinner suddenly butt buddies walk into the bathroom and are like hey smiles not bullying him and i'm like okay rick you do not trust this spinner (laughs) has never become cool overnight spinner learning a lesson is like pulling teeth it takes weeks it took spinner like an entire season almost to deal with the fact that marco is gay and marco is already his friend Yeah, so they come in and they're like, good job, buddy. You're so smart. Oh, my God. And then, like, they're kind of blocking his way and they're like, we're cool. And then as soon as he leaves, they're like, all right, so Alex, it's great dating the the VP of the school because nobody has questions. Alex has the paint and feathers set up and he's going to be doing the lightning round. It's great. I am sad that Alex did this also I'm surprised that Jimmy didn't pick up on any of this because he knows Spinner better than anyone and he kind of knows Jay ish but like he definitely should know that Spinner isn't like automatically gonna start being nice and Jimmy just goes like right into like yeah if it wasn't for this guy like we'd be toast blah 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 like him better than me in the lightning round and like Jane Spinner being nice and he's not even a little suspicious 
He should know just how much of a piece of shit Spinner is. Also, I wrote um, when Jay is like, yeah, there's perks to dating the VP. And I'm like, I had no idea that boyfriend of the vice president (laughs) held such power over the students of Degrassi. (laughs) So then we're in the lightning round and Rick is on the center of the stage and oh wait no right before the lightning round he like goes over to Emma and (laughs) whispers to her this is all for you and she looks repulsed I am repulsed everyone watching is repulsed and it's very uncomfortable okay her fucking face is like hello darkness my old friend (laughs) she's horrified it's it's upsetting. Um, also, Mick, not Rick, Mick, the the kid that is doing the lightning round from Northern, um, looks like a literal child. <laughs> he's like a little potato. His voice has not even changed yet. He has. He's like for sure a freshman. Like he actually looks like a child. Okay, Doogie. So then Rick does the lightning round and he wins it and it's exciting, but that excitement is short lived because then. Down comes the paint, down comes the feathers, and the room goes silent. Uh, Alex kind of like shuffles in like right as it's happening. And Jay and Alex and Spinner are like have their schemey faces on and they're happy about it. But it's just it's really it's tough to watch because it is mortifying and it is so, so mean and just really sad. It's so Carrie that, like, I almost expected Rick to, like, start shutting all the doors with his mind. Like, <laughs> I was kind of ready for it. Um, it's it's just so mean and it's terrible. And all the kids are laughing. And it's like, but why? Like, why are yeah. they laughing? Like, I don't think that would have been my reaction. Oh, absolutely not. Like, even if it was someone that was universally hated, if that happened to them... I would not have laughed. Like, I know children are awful and mean, but, like, I feel like it's just a cliche that they would laugh. Yeah. And it's just for cliche's sake that these people are laughing because, like, if this happened, like, you were rooting for Rick. Like, this is your school. This is a school that has school spirit. This is the person who just won your school a championship and now, like, and, like, this is just so uncomfortable to watch. It's horrible. Like, and even at my high school where, like, it's not like people were super nice to each other. Like, you know, a lot of people were bullied. I don't remember a lot of high school. I'm sure that I was bullied sometimes. I, I But, like, even middle school, I was, like, super heavily bullied in middle school. But I feel like at a certain point, people recognize when people are going too far. Like, even kids, even though kids are, like, little sociopaths, I feel like they notice when someone is going too far. Like, unless they're the person going too far. Like, I don't think they would have had that reaction. Like, I know that, like, herd mentality is a thing. But I just, I just, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's just, like, the cliche of, like, this would probably happen. But I don't think that they all would have laughed at him. I can't imagine that, like, being realistic. It's literally not even funny. Like... Let's break it down. How is this a joke? Yeah, it's not funny. It's horrible. It's humiliating and it's mean. It's just mean. It's just mean. I'm literally like, place yourself in the body and mind of a mean person. Where's the joke? It's like, oh, bringing them down a notch. It's like, but why? Well, I mean, carry with the blood. Why? 
It's just Periods. it's just straight well, up. <laughs> that's true. It's just straight up cruel, and I feel like yeah, if you if you're actually watching that, you would be more horrified and feel hopefully feel sorry for whoever it happened to. Um, but then after this happens, Rick is like walking out of the hallway, like shocked, still clutching the trophy. Emma follows him out and is like. Rick, all this does is make whoever did this to you look so childish and stupid. Like, you won. Like, hold on to that, basically. And it's like comforting him after this horrible thing happened to him, like a nice person. And then Rick decides this means that he needs to kiss her. Really forcefully. Yeah, he literally grabs her and she immediately is not having it. And she's like, oh my God, get off of me. Uh, and then he's like, I thought you loved me. And she says, no, I felt sorry for you. I pitied you. That's why I was nice to you. And then runs away. That's some cruel shit, Emma. Seriously. Like, okay. I understand like being repulsed and rejecting him. And he is just so like misinformed about this whole situation. But her reaction was so unnecessarily brutal that I'm like, Why? Why wouldn't you just be like, I don't see you that way and be like, I, I don't want to I don't want to deal with this situation right now. But just be like, I don't see you that, that way. I'm sorry. And like, leave. Don't like throw in. I just pitied you. Blah, blah, blah. Like, like, why don't like kick this person when he's already fucking down? It just harkens back to what Emma's been like this season. Like, she's super hot now. Like she's like so and people are noticing she's getting that. I'm a cool kid. I'm going to like Liberty's a loser. I'm going to fuck with Chris. Like, it's like. If she was genuinely Rick's friend, her reaction probably would have been like anger, disgust, but she would have been like, no. And then like the deepest feeling would be hurt that like, oh, I thought we were friends. I didn't know you were looking at me this way. Instead, it's just this cruel thing. Like I pitied you. Like it just shows that Emma's niceness was maybe like a little fake. And self-serving, I think, because Absolutely. She, she knew that he liked her like that. Although she seemed pretty horrified every single time he would be creepy to her. Yeah, she yeah, she knew that he liked her. And I think by being nice to him, it made her feel better about herself. And it was it was completely about her as to why she was being nice to him. And like she probably on the surface recognized that it was like, the right thing to do rather than be mean to him would be to be nice to him because he was going through a hard time and she's friends with Toby who is also friends with Rick but when it came down to actually like investing any kind of time or like emotions or anything into an actual friendship it just wasn't there and so when he crossed the line I think she entirely lashed out because she was like I was nice to you as a favor basically and this is how you repay me how dare you and was not great or because she felt guilty about bullying him before so she was just trying to like get rid of her own guilt rather than treat him nicely yeah so then after this happens he goes home he still is covered in paint he goes into his dad's, I'm assuming it's his dad's office, into some the office in his home. Notably, his parents are not home. He asks mom, dad, and they are not he there. He does come home and his parents aren't there. Because it's still the middle of the school day, so feasibly they could be at work. And uh, he goes into the office. He pulls a case, like a box, a really nice 
like kind of mahogany box into like carries it over to the desk and opens it. It's not locked, by the way. Not locked in the slightest. I need to talk about this box. And when he opens the box, there is a gun inside and Kelsey needs to talk about it. I need to talk about this box. Okay. Excuse me. Excuse me. My God. I've I ranted about this. I paused the episode and ranted about this like in between the two episodes. Um, okay. Several notes about this box. And I don't mean to make light of this situation, but what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck even is this box? It is a fancy mahogany box, like, lined with fucking, like, green velvet. This is the kind of... And it's unlocked. This is the kind of box that you would put, like, an antique gun that, like, you can't even load. Like, something that's, like, from, like, the Civil War. And it's, like, engraved and pretty and, like, old-timey. Like, an old-timey fucking, like fancy ass pirate gun like that is what you put in this box you don't put like a glock (laughs) like what the fuck i like i i'm i'm very like i I mean just the fact that it's unlocked alone is crazy to me like i'm not i'm not a gun person but like my dad's a gun nut so i grew up with a lot of guns in my home um i never went out and shot anyone you know why because my dad always had them in like these like industrial crazy steel boxes and they were locked with like a thousand locks and most of the time they were kept at the attic or when I got a little bit older and he was like it's probably not appropriate to have guns in the home with two like young children who are aware that there are guns in the home when he like only used them for hunting because he's like what the, we're from New Jersey what the fuck are we using them to protect from like terrorists are not knocking down our door um he, like we're not protecting our home he's just a hunter and he also likes guns so like he would keep them in his office there are so many other places to keep a fucking glock none of this makes sense i hate the stupid box i hate that his dad is dumb enough that he doesn't lock the box and instead it's like decorative as hell and the decorative as hell box does not match the fucking gun like there i just like you can have like an old timey pretty gun and put it in the box it doesn't make sense visually i'm very mad about it like it doesn't make sense logically and it also just visually does not make sense like why this is like a practice like i don't want to call a gun practical because frankly guns are almost never practical unless you're like hunting for food or like i don't know a security person for the president i don't know i feel like that's (laughs) when guns are relevant but why, why is it in the... Oh, I hate this box. Drink every time Kelsey says box. <laughs> <laughs> so that is where part one ends. Um, I remember watching this live and ha- having that... And I mean, they aired back to back, but when that ended with like to be continued, it was basically he opens the box and then it freeze frames on his face. You're just like, oh, fuck, what is going to happen? You know... Um, I'm not going to spoil or anything, but with the new Walking Dead season, a lot of people are going bananas because every because the way the last season ended, it was like this huge, uh, like wait to see what happens next. Like, I don't want to spoil anything at all, but a lot of people are really mad at the Walking Dead. They were like, that was like a terrible way to end the last season and a terrible way to begin this season because everyone called it a cliffhanger, and the biggest difference between uh, a cliffhanger. <laughs> And apparently what The Walking Dead did is it's not, 
I don't know what happened. It's I want to know what happens next. Like that's the key. And this is definitely one of those times that if you were watching this live and all that shit just fucking happened, you'd be like, what does this mean? Yes. Um, but luckily the next episode happens right afterward. And well, I don't know if I would use the word luckily, but this, the next episode happens and it opens with Rick walking up to school, still in his trivia clothes, covered in the paint and the feathers. He's clutching a backpack. His hand is inside of it. It is where the gun is. And Toby sees him and he's like, man, I think like you don't have to be here. I'm sure everyone would be fine if you like sat out the rest of the day. And Rick says, Toby, this is the one day that I actually want to be at school. And then that's when the credits roll. And I got chills. I was just like, oh, no, it's happening. Um, And I mean, I know that he's like in a state. But the whole time I was like, Rick, you should have showered when you got like you were in your house. I mean, if he had stopped to take a shower, then he probably would have like calmed down and thought things out. Have you ever seen the movie Elephant? No. Um. (laughs) I, I think that might be what I plug at the end of this, actually, because it's relevant. Elephant is an excellent movie, um, but it's about a school shooting. And a lot of it is from the perspective of the school shooters. And at one point they do shower together before they go blow up, the, like go shoot up the school. So I don't know how much a shower deters you. Well, but if you have a fun, weird, like uh, first time sexual gay experience in the shower, apparently, according to Elephant, it will spur you on. See. <laughs> I don't think Rick would have showered with another person having a gay experience. I think he probably would have been alone. (laughs) Also, um, the episode actually begins with Toby, Emma, JT, and Danny at a picnic table, sort of like reflecting on what was happening. Um, And I don't know what they said because you were ranting about boxes and guns. (laughs) But I do know based on facial expressions and past experience that Danny and JT were just being awful, awful people. (laughs) Sorry. And yeah, I think you're right. Because Toby was just like, what the fuck? And Emma was like, what the fuck? Even though she's like not thrilled with Rick right now, she at least can recognize like, let's not be an asshole. Except for that one time when I was an asshole 30 minutes ago. Yeah. Also the credits roll. And I noticed that uh, Kendra and Chris are still in the intros. (laughs) I hope you guys know when they get edited out. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe if we notice. Um so then after the credits, like Radich is making an announcement about how like this, how this horrible thing happened and we don't have tolerance for it and blah, 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 like kind of empty words because he's probably not going to do anything about it. And also they're in English class and they're reading 1984. Not Shakespeare. Not Shakespeare. <laughs> Thank God. These kids need something besides like that is a shitty, shitty program like goddamn but you know read some orwell i don't think i read george orwell until college so i'm like that's good you know you're in like 10th grade so well done um i have one thing about the announcement thing like i I was surprised i thought that like they should have had an assembly instead of like weird empty words on video monitors like throughout the school also the video monitors plus talking about 1984 i was like this seems relevant (laughs) Also, um, something I forgot to plug in fashion notes. Uh, it's Queen Kwan, and but we see Spinner in front of Jay, and I'm like, 
did Jay also get held back <laughs> in English class? And also Jay has a, this is the fashion note part. Uh, Jay has a squirmy little mustache. It's like he did not shave that morning and it's just a little peach fuss. <laughs> I stand by the fact that Jay is the biggest dork at Degrassi. <laughs> um, so then after the scene, this is when we're on the basketball court and Jimmy and Spinner are like, playing basketball and Jimmy's like I just can't even like what kind of person would even do this to somebody and Spinner's like uh, a genius and if you wrap me out like blah 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 and then they start fighting and um Mr. Armstrong pulls them apart and it's like solidly Jimmy is like sticking up for Rick and Spinner's a douchebag Spinner sucks. Um, a genius would not do this. Spinner, you are misinformed. And and Jimmy says something great where he's like, "Next time, pick on somebody who fights back." Because he like, cause, and that's when like it starts, and it's like a whole thing, and it's really good. And I just really wanted Jimmy to punch him right in the fucking face. I mean, Jimmy does punch a, a spinner, and like not just for him, but for us as well, the audience. <laughs> also, then the coach breaks it up and says, "Save it for the court." And I'm like, "Do you want these children to fist fight?" <laughs> The other school. <laughs> I'm confused by that sentence. <laughs> so then we're in the cafeteria and Rick walks in and Paige sees him and people are kind of laughing at him and she's not really having it. And she gets up and walks over to him and she talks to him and is saying, I know I'm not your biggest fan. We don't really get along, but I thought what happened to you today was really childish and horrible and i'm like basically i'm sorry that that happened to you and you as this as she's saying this you can it pans to a shot of rick's hand on the gun and how he was like about to pull it out then as soon as she apologizes he puts it back into his bag and he says i'm sorry for hurting terry and i think it's the first time we actually hear him apologize for what he did but it's like it was a close call Page could have been it was basically him crossing Page off of his hit list and it was terrifying. Well, I remember watching it for the first time. It was very anxiety ridden. And I mean, Paige has grown so much like we talked about. So I, I think that this was like a big moment for her. And honestly, if it wasn't for Jay and Spinner, this could have been the end of it. Like he zipped up the bag and he put it back in his locker and I don't know if he was going to take it out because he realized that people can forgive each other because Paige was like, Paige forgave him for what he did for, to Terry and she apologized for how she treated him and he apologized for what he did to Terry and he accepted her apology. And it was like, it was just this really good moment between these people and like people just you know, learning that, oh, okay, we, we can apologize and move on from things, even if it feels like the end of the world. And then Spinner and Jay were giant assholes. Yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite moments of the episode. If you can have a favorite moment of this episode. It's, it was just so genuine, like really good job to the guy who plays Rick. Because like this is definitely a very, very difficult mindset to try and portray. Like, even if you're a really good actor, it's hard to be like, all right, now pretend you are hate, like you're so full of hate and rage and revenge. You want to murder someone. And it's like, okay. Um, so he's going up to Paige and when she does apologize and he feels it, he 
he's like shaky voiced and he says I'm sorry for hurting Terry and it's just there's so much emotion behind his voice even when he says it really quietly that this is yeah this is the first time he's probably openly apologized and like it may have been the first time he really realized why he was bullied so much he was like because you know when it first happened he was immediately like oh no I did something bad people are gonna hate me for it I want this to go away quickly I want to apologize as soon as possible and I think it just really hit him when he's in this like height of emotions and he got Paige's like genuine gift of sympathy and apology acceptance yeah prop like the guy who plays Rick does such a good idea or good idea such a good job uh, in this role it's he is a very good actor um, so after he puts the backpack into his locker then the famous infamous what have you bathroom scene happens Rick is in the stall or Rick is in the bathroom and then he hears Jay and Spinner start to come into the bathroom and he locks himself i think he's like about he's starting to wash off so he's been like washing off and he's out of paper towels he's getting some toilet paper and he's just all right more toilet paper to wash off the paint and he hears spinner and jay and he is he's like fucking terrified he just sees that look of fear and immediately hides and i'm just and it just makes you realize like this is what he's been conditioned to do at degrassi now and I also think him washing off the paint and feathers is also another thing symbolizing that he's ready to move on. Did you say that? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, it's more like she was like, why wouldn't you shower? And I'm like, because that is his rage uniform. So he's washing it off to try and be like. He's about to try to wash it off to start anew. But it's then. Baptism. Symbolism. Exactly. And then he, but then he runs back into the stall because his tormentors are walking into the bathroom and. They walk in and, J- and Spinner's freaking out because he's like, oh, my God, like we have to say something about this thing that happened. And then Jay sees that there's paint all over the bathroom and deduces that Rick is in the stall. And he's like, oh, you mean about how- what Jimmy did? And Spinner's like, what? And then Jay like shows him that he's there. And then they start talking about how like in about how supposedly Jimmy was like their man on the inside and helped set Rick up, which is all a total lie and total bullshit. And it's just so, so awful. And it's so hard to watch because you know, this is the like point of no return. It is. It, it is. It's just, it's hard to watch. It's, I have never hated Jay more than in this moment and spinner going along with it. And I just, uh, I mean, for me, this moment of spinners probably i mean i don't know it's probably tied with the gay bashing it's maybe on a slightly like maybe slightly less so because it wasn't his idea um but i jay later becomes a character that i really like and he kind of delights me because he's such like a dork by accident but in this moment, like, he's a dork without realizing he's the biggest dork at Degrassi. But in this moment, he's the worst person. I just, I, like, I, I hate him. I fucking hate him. It's horrible. And he's, and he's so clearly, like, jealous of Jimmy. because, And just like Spinner has been in the past because Jimmy's popular. Jimmy has money. You know, Jimmy has friends. Jimmy can do whatever he wants. He can befriend the weird kid and not have 
any repercussions, apparently, until now. And, you know, I, I, I see, like, I just see that in him, that, like, Jimmy is his go-to. Like, he doesn't, it, like, he very easily could have been, like, see the Rick's feeder there and be like, yeah, no, I have no idea who did it. Like, I thought it was kind of funny, but, like, I don't know. Like, I wish I had that idea. And, like, he very easily could have played it off and, like, taken the blame off of him and Spinner 100%. But instead, he his only go-to is to throw Jimmy under the fucking bus and still, like, take claim for part of it, but not the whole thing. And it's it's crazy that that is his go-to reaction, and I think it's just the fact that he's so jealous of Jimmy. I think what's also important is that everyone's been torturing Rick for so long, like, they could have not have known that there was a gun, right? So what he thought is, like, this is our typical bullying of him. We have gotten away with absolutely all of it. We can get away with it again with absolutely no repercussions. And if we blame it on Jimmy, Jimmy's infallible. He's untouchable. So, again, this is just more bullying. We won't be caught or punished or touched. I also wrote that I'm honestly shocked Spinner was able to pick up on the subtle hint of look at his shoes because spinner has proven to be very very dumb in the past where i'm sure he's like what dude i don't know what you're saying we're gonna get in trouble because we did this to rick like that's something that spinner would do and say that is very true um but then so after this scene things then everything starts happening and i forgot how quickly like one thing after another happens but once that happens and Rick here overhears the next scene is him uh approaching Jimmy at his locker and he Jimmy's like oh how are you doing holding up and he's like fine he's like I mean I was honestly I'm surprised to see you here and Rick is like oh I bet you are and then Rick starts confronting Jimmy and is like I thought you were my friend Uh, I can't believe you did this to me like you're making me do this and he like he kind of starts to pull out the gun out of his bag and Jimmy sees this and he's like is that real and Rick kind of brings it out and he starts and is like threatening Jimmy and Jimmy first starts he kind of starts backing away and he's looking like he's kind of like puffing out his chest he looks very resigned he's trying to be brave but also like to not make any sudden movements and he kind of and is assessing the situation and trying to see if Rick is actually serious about what he's about to do. He doesn't know if he's bluffing, but he's kind of slowly backing away. And while well, Rick is pointing the gun at him, but then as soon as Rick closes his eyes and kind of like turns his head, Jimmy's like, oh, fuck, this is serious. And then he turns around and runs away. And this is when he gets shot and he just lets out like the most blood curdling scream of pain and it's just it's so hard to watch and like that scene is burned to my brain forever I remember watching that with like my hands like clawing my face it was so terrifying and then Craig has like just arrived at school and he basically sees what happens and he freaks out and he is all of us and it's like oh my god Jimmy Jimmy what happened oh my he's like freaking out and it's terrifying and it's oh my god it's horrifying it's yeah no it it, it's burned in my brain it's just 
it it hurts to watch it's i just like wrote like no and like i just wrote no like over and over again and it's oh because he's like jimmy is the best of us let's be real he is probably the best like like the most like kind character on this show like he has plenty of faults don't get me wrong he doesn't always have the greatest reaction to things but he always comes around by the end of the episode like no matter what it is and with marco coming out he was the first person that was like very very cool like his immediate reaction was i'm here for you buddy like he could tell what was going on before marco could tell anyone and he was like i'm here for you no matter what like jimmy is the fucking best of us so for it to be jimmy that gets shot is heartbreaking um i was just going to say going off of like what you were saying uh, about how it's burned into your memory um i actually did not see this episode live i saw this as a rerun and i didn't see part 1 so I started this episode and like I didn't even see the first half. I started this episode with Jimmy getting shot. The epi- I my first me- me- like the this episode in my brain starts with Rick confronting Jimmy, Jimmy immediately getting shot and me having no context. <laughs> oh my god, that's horrifying. Yeah. Um so but then right after this, I forgot how quick how like there was no transition, there was no commercial break after this. He just this. went straight to Emma. He went straight down the hall. And then he sees Emma, Toby, and Sean. And they see him and immediately see that he has a gun. And it's terrifying. And they're kind of just paralyzed with fear about what's happening. And Rick like is on to the next one. And it is Emma because of what she did. Because of what she, how she reacted to when he tried to kiss her. And Sean the whole time is like, you don't have to do this. Just put the gun down. Like, we can... Like, let's just, like, stop. It's not too late to turn back now. Please. He's trying his hardest to, like, to defuse the situation. And I just wanted to say Rick says the most, like, like, it it just, like, full body chills, like, totally, like, paled my face. Horrifying. He looks right at Emma and he says, you made my list. And I was just like, I think we should really break down this episode, like this scene. Like, let's not rush through it. Let's like really break it down because Rick's entire being is so different from just the previous scene. Like when he goes up to Jimmy, he's hot. He's clutching his bag to himself. He's still very like weak, like protecting himself and shaky. Like the gun shakes when he like is shooting at Jimmy. But after he shot Jimmy, his first reaction wasn't, oh, God, what have I done? It's, we know who's next. So he is confident walking down this hall. His back is straight. He is no longer shaking. He is eyes only for Emma. Sean sees this fucking happening and immediately steps in front of Emma, immediately starts to try and talk to Rick, like, hey, you don't have to do this. Like, calm. But Rick is still only looking at Emma. This is a whole different kind of, like, Jimmy was his friend who betrayed him. Emma was like, he's like, woman scorned me, like totally different level, which is scary. And it's his, his, just his face is different. It's like, so he's like a different person and it's 
terrifying. It's it's honestly this actor is incredible. By the way, I don't. We'll have to look up who you are. You should come on our show and talk to us because I'm a little bit obsessed with you as an actor. You're amazing. Um, it's just it's chilling. It's terrifying, and it's you know, and it, it and the fact that I, like it, first of all with Jimmy, he got the confidence totally. And it's a different relationship with Emma. And it also, it makes you think about, um, like, that... There's just so many recent shootings to reference. Are you talking about the college one where yeah. he shot at the sorority? Yeah. Um, and the guy... Yeah, the guy who, like, had a whole manifesto about, like, how women don't love him enough. And it's, like... And it just the the demeanor between, like, shooting your friend and shooting, like... A girl who doesn't like you. A girl he feels like he is owed. Like, you should like me. I am owed your love. That sort of thing. It is so, like, chauvinistic. It's so misogynistic that it's been... It's like a thing that kind of gets ingrained into some guys where they think that they deserve, like, love from a woman. And when, like, one thing goes wrong, it's like the end of the world. And when you have already, like some kind of a mental illness that probably doesn't help it like it turns into rage and emotion and not thinking about what you're doing but yeah I was also going to mention it reminds me it was the Isla Vista mm. shooting in 2014 yeah he felt ownership over Terry and he felt ownership over Emma and when in both situations when they repelled his advances he got angry yeah it's and it's also very much it's kind of has a if I can't have you no one can feel to it as well and this is just you know elevated patriarchy rape culture I mean I'm basically just saying buzzwords at this point <laughs> but like but Sounds it's like an essay from a 12th grader but it's right <laughs> but like it's 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 true though like it's it's just where we come from, where this male entitlement is like such a thing. And it's, and you know, and it's hashtag not all men, but like, you know, but there, but there are enough like bad apples in the bunch that it does like color the way that women approach men at this point, because it's like, you're, you're just afraid like all the time. And it's, but it, yeah, I just, I don't know if him going up to Jay and Spinner, he would have had the same confidence. I don't see that in him. I But with Emma, he sees her as weaker and he sees her as like scorning him when he doesn't deserve it, when he deserves her love. And that's, I think that's a, another big part of it. Like this is part of our culture in which people believe that men and women can't be friends sorry for all like the gender binary stuff but like men and women can't be friends the only interaction they have with each other is romantic and sexual and that's rick's mindset oh girls being nice to me i'm not used to hanging out with girls girl must like me she doesn't i anger yeah yeah so sean steps in front of emma almost immediately and is like walking toward rick trying to talk him down and at one and rick kind of slowly lowers the gun but then sean i think is saying like it's not too late and i think something might click in rick's brain where he's like well i've already shot somebody there's no turning back now and he lifts the gun and points it at emma over sean's shoulder and i remember that shot being 
it seems like it was like frozen in time because it's still. so exactly it's so terrifying and I feel like it was like a thumbnail used for that episode as well and then fucking Sean my hero like hero of of our lives um like wrestles with Rick after he does this he like puts his hand down he wrestles with the gun over him I'm like oh my god like this is not safe this is horrifying but if anyone were to like try to get this situation squashed in any way possible it would be Sean and then as they're struggling the gun goes off and you there's a shot of Sean's face looking like horrified in pain and a shot of Rick's face looking horrified in pain and they fall down and then there's a commercial break and I also remember watching this and it was kind of a cliffhanger of like holy shit who got shot I was gonna say the same thing I remember this I remember this fucking commercial break and I remember just feeling like I was going crazy throughout the entire commercial break I'm pretty sure I immediately called my childhood friend Elise um Elise I don't know if you listen but if you do text me and we will talk about this episode because I definitely immediately called her and I was like which one of them died and she was like I don't know um and we just and I was just it was the longest commercial break of my entire life. I remember I couldn't watch this scene. I was so scared of Rick and I was so scared of what was happening uh, that I was like literally hiding my face because I couldn't watch. I was so scared. And like also a safety tip for anyone. I never recommend rushing a gun. But if you feel like you want to be a superhero and save lives, you rush a gun by going under and lifting the gun straight up in the air. So that the if the gun were to go off, it would go off above your head and not. And Sean pushes it to the side and it ends up in between them. And I'm like, don't do that. Yeah, it was terrifying. And then after the break. Um, good advice. <laughs> you know yeah, you, you it's like a you make your hand like a U shape and you push up on the gun. I did not know that. And I feel better now that I do I like to like know what I would be forced to do in certain situations rush a gun never rush a knife yeah um so then after the commercial break we don't even see who survived right away Mm -mm. there's like a media circus outside of the school parents are trying to get inside we see Ashley's mom and slash Toby's stepmom like run up to the steps and She's like, oh, my God, what happened? Like, let me in. I'm Toby Isaac's parent, basically. And then they let her in because he was heavily involved. And as she's walking in, Jimmy is being uh, carried out on a stretcher, and he has, like, an oxygen mask on, and she sees this, and she's like, oh, my God, Jimmy. Oh, my God. And then we're in the media immersion room, and Toby and Emma and Sean are in the room, and we see Sean walk in. He has a bandage on his arm. And we see that he is okay, but everyone is just shaken and it's terrifying. Um, Miss Curran seeing Jimmy literally choked me up. Like I had, I was like, I was like, if I wasn't alone right now, I would maybe cry. Yeah. It's like as an audience member, right? The longest commercial break of your uh, short teenage lives. We're going, oh my God, shoes. Oh my God. Hospital gurney. Who is it? Because we have like two to three potential people who could be on that. And we see it's Jimmy. And we go, oh, my God, he's alive. And like, 
we don't even know right now how long and we have no idea and then we see sean with a little bandaged arm and we're like oh my god did sean get shot in the arm where's rick we have we're still at the edge of our seats right now the whole episode you're on the edge of your seat because it's like one thing after another and while they're in this room radich comes by and like tries to talk to uh mr simpson or he's like says something he says emma still needs to talk to the police and Snake is like, not right now. I can't do it. Like, I am with my family. And then Radish pulls him out of the room. And, oh, no, Radish comes in because he wants Mr. Simpson to, like, access Rick's, like, email history or something to look for warning signs. And Snake is like, bitch, please, are you kidding me? We're using the benefit of, like, 2020 hindsight right now. And then he and Radish get into an argument. And Mr. Simpson is like, he came to you twice in the past 24 hours, basically, and you didn't do anything. And Radage is like, I have 700 students. I can't just worry about one. But it's like, but this one came to you for help. You should have taken the warning signs more seriously. Like, it, like it, it was in your face talking to you. I wrote, go in, Mr. Simpson. <laughs> and then when it was over, I wrote, we've snatched. <laughs> because what kind of fucking negligence? Like, first of all, this kid... Uh, did violence against one of your previous students. Then he comes back. You allow this. You know he's in danger. You try and put a stop to it in the beginning, kinda. And now he's coming back to you, and your response was, I can't make people like you. It's like, no, but you should, like, I don't know, have an assembly about bullying. Like, you are just, like, the fucking worst, dude. He should not be an educator. Also, it occurs to me now that... I talked about how Rick should definitely be in therapy, which true facts. But he does say a couple episodes ago when he like first comes back to Degrassi, I even see Miss Sobey now. But like the thing is like, okay, so he is kind of in therapy a little. But it so before people tweet at me being like, Rick said he was in therapy. He needs to be either institutionalized or in like a more intensive therapy situation or like with a psychiatrist just like he needs a more immersive like situation than like casually seeing the guidance counselor there's a huge difference between a guidance counselor a psychologist a psychiatrist and a psychotherapist and uh depending on but based on what i know about these different fields and about rick he should be definitely seeing a psychotherapist and a psychiatrist Guidance counselors, God bless him. I'm glad you exist in the world. Miss Sobe is clearly like ten out of champ, ten out of ten champion, but she has like no real like, she just has nowhere near the power these other professionals do. And I feel like guidance counselor is kind of like your first step into therapy. It's like you getting comfortable with talking to somebody, but they're not going to be your forever therapist. This is it's like kind of like the a quick like the big. Be- it's a, it's short term fix. It's short term figuring things out before you. And if you need more help, you need to go somebody like to a more specialized person. But speaking of Miss Sobe, so all the other students are locked in or on lockdown in classrooms. They don't know what's going on. They like they think it is like a lockdown drill or like a bomb threat. They don't know what's happening. And Paige gets off the phone with her mom and says that she heard that there was a shooting. And Hazel notices that Jimmy's desk is empty in their classroom. And then Miss Sove comes to their classroom and asks for Hazel. And then she tells Hazel 
that Jimmy's been shot and that he's in the hospital and Hazel just breaks down in her arms. And that's another time that I was like, if I was alone, I would be weeping like a child because I definitely teared up and you just, you feel so much for Hazel in this moment and it's, it's rough. And, and I was surprised, but like, like I liked it, but I was like surprised that they like even went to Hazel because it's like, how much do people pay attention to like who's dating who in high school as far as teachers go? But you know, they like, she went to Hazel and like they were getting her a ride to the hospital so she could like go be with him. And like, that's, that's some like next level kind of shit. Like that's how you know that this guidance counselor is like, she should be principal. She knows how to talk to a student. Yeah. Like she was like, Oh my God, this child is going to be grieving. I should be the one to tell her and be comforting. Also, I've talked to teachers. They know everything high schoolers are talking about. Like, they're like, oh, kids think they're fucking slick when they're like chatting at their desks. They hear everything. So I'm sure they are all up to date with Degrassi drama, just like the audience is. Also, it's it's a pretty small school if there's only 700 students total. Yeah, and that's 7 through 12, right? Yeah, yeah. like... There were 500 kids in my graduating class. Like, 700 total is very small. So they probably definitely know. But anyway, that happens. And then all the students start to get let out of the class because they've diffused the situation because we don't we don't know this yet, but Rick is not a threat anymore. And then Spinner we, is freaking out. Yeah, we do, because when that whole scene started with Emma... And like Radich, it starts out with Toby being talked to, and Toby's like, "He's not my friend. He's not my friend." Oh wait, no. Well, okay, yeah, we, but we, we don't. That we don't we know that like why the situation is diffused for right, sure right, right, yet. Right. My bad, my bad. Um, but it's over, and all the kids are getting let out of class. And Spinner sees Jay and Alex, and Alex is like, "Fuck! I shouldn't have let you pull me into this. Like, I am not about this." Spinner's freaking out, and like thinks he maybe wants to confess and Jay is like you guys need to shut up we're not telling anybody we didn't technically do anything wrong and he's just like trying to sweep it under the rug so they can save their own skins but I do find it semi comforting that Spinner sees that his actions have had serious consequences and also I think Alex is also totally in that boat as well definitely shows the maturity of spinner that not only does he know he's partly he has responsibility in this but he's standing up to jay in that instance where like that's a tough thing to do if someone's saying oh my gosh you're not guilty don't worry about it and you're feeling so guilty there's definitely temptation to be like to believe them but instead it's like no fuck you i am a part of this well his best friend is in the hospital and like they don't know if he's gonna make it and he's just the guilt that he feels and we see it in later episodes with him too but the guilt is like is unimaginable it's crazy and and i was relieved that alex was the first one who was like fuck this i can't believe i got involved in this and like it seems like she like it might just be me like wanting her to but i'm like did she want to like come clean or like what was her deal i don't know but like at least like she was like this is this is on us and I even though she was like tangentially related it was like she she actually like pulled the trigger or whatever so I mean not wow bad bad phrasing (laughs) Jesus Christ (laughs) not what I meant but you know she's the one who actually like let the paint and stuff happen and it's like 
Oh, Jay is just garbage. I mean, Alex definitely let the whole Rick thing affect her. Remember with the orange ribbons? She was like, this is just beyond Rick. So she's a little more involved um, than just supplying a means for Jay and Spinner to be dick monsters. Yeah. Well, she, yeah, she has like, she's got her own things going on with violence against women as like her thing. And I mean, I th- it's like, I think it's a deeper thing for her. But I think it's also that like, she lets Jay talk her into a lot of shit. And I think that's really what the root of most of this is. I don't know how much thought she actually put into it. She doesn't like Rick because he hurts women, but also she just kind of lets Jay tell her what to do for the most part. For a person who like said to Paige, you know, you sure let your boyfriend fucking push you around like one or two episodes ago. She really lets her boyfriend talk her into a lot of dumb shit. Yeah. Um, But then after this, Toby and Emma and I've like everyone involved are walking out of the school and they're like surrounded by reporters. Oh my God. And at first this awful lady reporter is trying to interview like Craig, I think, and is talking about the victim and da da da. And Craig is like, don't call him a victim. Cause he thinks that she's talking about uh, Jimmy. And then Caitlin like gets all up in her face and is like, get the fuck away, step off, or unless you want the news to read, like, local reporter beaten up by famous colleague or something. I was like, burn, go in. (laughs) Fuck yeah. So then the lady reporter moves on to when Toby is walking out, and she's accosting him, and he's, like, not answering her. And then she tells him, like, she basically informs him that Rick died. And Toby didn't know this, and this is the first time he's hearing that Rick actually died in that scuffle with Sean. And what a fucking way to find out. I mean, he is feeling so many conflicting things because it's like this was his like closest friend for the past like couple of months. And, you know, they really like formed a close bond. And like and so he like he doesn't want to be associated with him, but he still like feels like sad because his friend is gone and you know, and it's just, it's, it's just such a fucking mess. It's sort of like Craig and his dad. Totally. Yeah. So then after this, uh, all of the families of Degrassi are sitting and watching the news and seeing the news coverage. And at, I, it's either Toby's house or Emma's house, but Toby's family and Emma's family are all watching the news together. And, Ashley starts going off and calling Rick a psycho and like, who does this? Like, he's such a psycho. La, 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 la. She's angry, especially because her ex-boyfriend, Jimmy, was shot. She's very upset. And Toby gets upset and walks away. And Ashley's like, I mean, she doesn't totally understand the relationship between Toby and him. And she's like, I don't know, like, why he's so getting so angry about me or I don't really know what she exactly what she totally says but Emma basically is like you know what he was Toby's friend that's why he's so upset I remember what she said okay it's like he shot up a school who else besides a psycho would do that and Emma goes Toby's friend like it's just reminding is another really complicated scene because Ashley has almost almost lost Terry to this guy her closest friend and almost lost Jimmy one of her like close like closest relationships even if they were exes got back together a little bit and now they're kind of cool like 
and Ashley's whole family knew Terry and Jimmy really well. Like she is like a very understandably never going to forgive Rick. But what the show is doing again is to remind the audience that it is much more complex than just he is a bad guy. He was friends with Toby. Like they use the word, they use the name psycho so much in this show as like, ah, oh, what a psycho, what a psycho. And it's like, okay, you use that word, but so arbitrarily that, you know, the mental illness stigma and it's like okay but it's just another word for trying to make the world really black and white and good and bad absolutely and it's just it's just heartbreaking to see because like you understand Ashley's reaction and how mad she is and she doesn't understand that Toby was friends with him and she's not the most sensitive of Toby's feelings on her best day (gasps) (laughs) you know not really um and but Toby leaves And he, you know, and he, and so our next scene, we are at the hospital with Hazel and Paige and they're crying and they're waiting and Spinner comes over and he's crying and he's like kind of in the doorway from the hall and Paige just looks at him and she has this face and she shakes her head because it's like Paige knows Paige, like she maybe doesn't know the details but she knows that this is somehow Spinner's fault. And she knows that the paint was probably Spinner and that this escalated. And she she just gives him this look like, I know what you did. And he turns around and leaves and he's like crying. And like you feel for Spinner in that moment, but not really. Okay, this was like, in my opinion, a terrible, terrible means of communication, silent judgment. Because as an audience member, if someone goes up to a hospital room and we don't see the person who's in the hospital and people are crying and you look in with concern and they shake your head, I interpret it as that he's gone. He's dead. And I'm like, Jimmy's fucking dead? Way to go, Paige. But no, that's not what happens at all. So I would not have gone, oh, Paige understands that Spinner's at fault and Jimmy wouldn't want to see him. I was like, oh my God, Jimmy Brooks is dead. That might be what they wanted you to think, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, knowing how this ends, um, I knew that that's what she was doing, but the first time around, I probably didn't. Well, at one point, I think, I don't know who she's talking to, but she says, like, there's no change. Maybe Spinner walks in and says no. I don't really know. I know at one point somebody says there's no change, but so but Jimmy is just lying in the hospital room, like, hooked up to machines. But, yeah, not the best mode of communication. But then the episode ends with Toby walks up to kind of the memorial and vigil that's happening on the steps of Degrassi. It's kind of it's mo- it's for Jimmy. Everyone's like leaving flowers and posters. There's one poster that just it's like has pictures on him that says like why with a million question marks. I thought the bubble letters were a bit inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> kind of takes away from the seriousness and toby is there and then emma walks up and she joins him and they're just crying and they hug and the episode ends with them just with tears on their face looking at the candles and it's very sad and the poster the first poster i saw when that whole vigil thing started just said violence makes victims and i think like we could just leave that there and that summates the episode. So, what a good ending. 
I mean, Allegra just nailed it at the end there. You guys, this is a two-hour episode of whatever it takes, and I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I mean, do we want to do our normal things, or do we just want to be like, bye? I mean, I can do them real quick. Yeah, all right. I, mean, I don't know if I want to do any kind of... Sh- okay, maybe ship of the episode could just be Joey and Caitlin, even though they're kind of rocky, whatever. I was going to say Sean and Emma, because they everyone has like a little montage of sitting in front of the TV and like... And Ellie and Sean are just with each other and Sean's like fucking mortified, but Ellie's like comforting him and stuff. Yeah, no, I, I did like that of Sean and Ellie and yeah, I don't, that's it. Um, Spirit Squad Captain, I'm going with Jimmy. Sean. Ooh, that's good. That's good. Sean is good. I'm going with Jimmy. I g- agree with both of those. <laughs> I'm also going to give a second place to Toby. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I think he needs it. Um... And then, I mean, the the moral has been everything that we've been talking about. What was that poster again? Violence makes victims. That's the moral of the episode. Um, and also make sure you tell your uh, serious boyfriend that you're going to buy his house for $375,000. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. Have a fucking conversation, Caitlin. Get it together. <laughs> like, what a terrible... Like, this episode should not have had a B-plot because it just undercuts the seriousness at every turn. Well, do you remember when Snake had cancer and cancer was the B-plot? What the... Sh- uh, they can't get it right. Um, we have funny YouTube comments, but I don't know how much I want to read them. Oh, come on. Remember what they are, though. That's, that is fair. Let's read the ones on this side. Oh, oh, Mr. Meaty was pretty funny. <laughs> I think true. Allegra wants to read the Mr. Meaty one. Let's let's look. I mean, Holland said it earlier, but this is an obscure ass fucking reference. Seriously. But uh, Jimmy is so sweet and forgiving. Spinner looks like an idiot with his horrible haircut. Reminds me of that puppet from Mr. Meaty. <laughs> and if you don't know what that is, please, I beg of you, look it up on YouTube. Oh, uh, just fucking that delights me um this one is fairly insensitive savage. It, it's savage this is insensitive as hell but also it made me laugh because we have to keep in mind that these are fictional characters and drake is a real person in the world now um who's there's alive. who's alive and has a feud with meek mill um so this person commented three months ago meek mill watches this every day so fucked up <laughs> we just scrolled past one that should just drake get out of there in all caps um and then there's one more that just says i fucking can't stand spinner and his i'm a single mom but my kids are black haircut <laughs> oh my god it's like kate from john and Pl- kate plus eight haircut it's so bad oh that fucking hair um okay i don't want to do any grapevine and we don't have anything really good anyway so if you want to reach out to us um, and ask us questions, because we like answering questions, um, you can tweet at us at DegrassiPod. You can email us, uh, whatever it takes podcast at gmail.com. We have a Tumblr, whatever it takes podcast.tumblr.com. Um, you can listen to us on SoundCloud and like write comments if you want. Somebody's been doing that because they've been like binging all of our episodes, which we appreciate. And um, you can listen to us on iTunes. Um, please rate and review and subscribe. Um, if you review us, um, we will give a little tiny fan fiction about you and a character from Degrassi. If you have a character preference that you would like to be shipped with, 
we will um, incorporate that. If you don't want to be shipped with anyone, you can also say that. And we'll just like make you like platonic friends with a person. We haven't done that yet. That might be fun. It's so hot. <laughs> just very sexy platonic friends. Um, I don't know. Asexual people are out there. It's true. I'm trying to be inclusive, y'all. Um, I don't know. That's it. I mean, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Kelsex with a Z. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at HollandTacular. Andrew Legger, would you like to plug any social media? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at AllegraBaker, A-L-L-E-G-R-A. Because Lord knows, you know, Starbucks isn't fun for me. <laughs> um, do we want to recommend anything or are we good to just go? You said you had something. I have something that I know Kelsey will love. Because um, last time you suggested Nihilist Arby's. And so there's Kier- Kim Kierkegaardashian. I follow that. You already follow that? Of course I already follow that. Right. But that is amazing. Everyone should follow that. That's a good suggestion. Yeah. So basically, for those who don't know, um, Kier- uh, Karl Kierkegaard is a nihilist um, philosopher. And someone ha- takes his nihilist quotes and then uh, mashes it with Kim Kardashian quotes. Like, life is an endless abyss that we are just uh, forced to live through. And I also got these cute Prada earrings or whatever. <laughs> and it's always very good. That's a good suggestion. Um, I was going to recommend Elephant, but that might be too on theme. But it's a good movie. It's about a school shooting. It's very dark. Um, I'm, I, I actually I have one, but l- let me go get my phone. Holland, you plug something. Um, I'm actually going to plug a movie that's coming out on November 18th. It's called Manchester by the Sea. Um, uh, I've seen it ahead of time because I know people involved kind of behind the scenes Allegra and I both do so fancy and um but it's a really good it's also really sad but it's a really good movie um starring Casey Affleck Michelle Williams and Kyle Chandler I don't really want to give too much away no don't don't go into this movie blind you should just go see it and it's really good like if you felt are you if you're properly depressed after this episode and you just want to keep that uh role going Definitely see Manchester by the Sea. Casey Affleck. Everyone does a great job. Casey Affleck and the the kid character. They do amazing. And if you don't want to keep the bummer train moving and you would like to instead be uplifted, um, I'm going to recommend. So Ben Schwartz, who was John Ralphio on Parks and Rec and is just amazing in everything that he does forever. Um, he he plays um, uh, Ruta Begowitz in BoJack Horseman, and he uh, was on House of Lies. I don't know. He's the best. Just look him up. He's my future husband. He doesn't know yet. Oh, my God. Me, too. Yeah. We're going to have to share. Sister I'm wives. Obs- I'm a, like, I would be sister wives for Ben Schwartz. Um, I'm a little bit obsessed with him. Um, but he just came out with a new show, and it's online only. It's on... Well, you can get it on his um, website, which is rejectedjokes.com. And then it's also on Funny or Die, um, but it's called The Earliest Show. And it like just makes fun of like early morning, like like today's show, like Good Morning America type of shit. And it's like him and Lauren Lapkus. And it's honestly the funniest. Like I'm like crying the whole time. It's so, so funny. They're like on speed and it's bonkers. And they're just so like out of control, silly that it will delight you. And and they're short, too. They're, like, 15 minutes long or whatever. So if you have, like, 15 minutes and you want to watch something that will cheer you up after this, like, just sad, sad time, this two hours of sadness and the occasional joke, go watch the earliest show. 
That sounds amazing and I need to watch it. But as we are nearing the two hour mark, I think we should just fucking leave. Allegra, thank you so much for being for being a guest on our podcast. It's the first time we've had a guest with both of us here. Allegra, we loved having you. And Allegra's going to Skype in for um my favorite, her favorite fucking episode, you guys. I'm so ready. She's already been writing jokes. We're very excited. So we are going to have her back on to Skype. And hopefully she's going to move to New York within the next, like, six months, eight, eight months, eight months. And then we can have her on in person more. Thanks for letting me talk too much and take over. Um, you have until June to get another microphone. Uh. <laughs> All right. Uh, Well, thanks for listening to this long-ass episode. Bye, Panthers. Bye, Panthers. Farewell, Panthers.